Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. This episode will be released on January 27th, 2020. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 181 where you'll be able to find ways to check out our guest and also check out libertymugs.com where as we announced last week, we now use BTC Pay Server to process our Bitcoin transactions. So now you can not only use uh, uh, buy Bitcoin, but you can also use the Lightning Network to buy mugs at, at Liberty Mugs. So Liberty Mugs is the only place that you are allowed to uh, get rid of your Bitcoin at. So um, you should be hodling. So but, spend it. Spend lots yeah. of it. But if you're going to spend it, uh, go go to LibertyMugs.com. And then and replace it. Yeah, or and replace it to to buy more Liberty Mug stuff. So, yeah. with uh, with hodling uh, on the subject, we have a guest, American Hodl. So, welcome to the show. Hello, gentlemen. Good to be here. Yeah. So, uh, sorry Thanks for joining us. I kind of <laughs> I kind of stole your job there, Slappy. But that's yeah, uh, you did. And I was going to talk about how after a long hiatus, the countdown the countdown made its return. So, welcome back, countdown and. Um, Welcome to the show, American Hoddle. Welcome, guys. Uh, Rolo, <laughs> I've been following you for a while on Twitter. Slappy, uh, Slappy, I wasn't following you for some reason, but I You've rectified it. You've been following it. me for at least an hour. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I get deleted on Twitter all the time, so I may have been in a past life. I don't remember if I was or not. I try and follow every Bitcoiner that comes across my path. Unless I go to your page and I see a little bit of shit coinery, <laughs> then I'm like, nope. you got to be... You got to be pure, bro. This is only for the faithful, you know. Well, you should reconsider we that follow. We love purity testing here. Yeah, you should you should reconsider that follow because out of nowhere, Slappy just was spreading horrible lies about me today on Twitter. I don't know why, but uh, that that is neither here nor there. So you can read the feed. Yeah. So we wanted to bring you on to talk about you know Bitcoin, uh, believe it or not. Um, of course. And. You know, we've been covering a lot of, of Bitcoin stuff on here and on the blog, and a lot of people have been, you know, asking questions and interested in it. And so I've been trying to, I want to bridge that gap between, I've got one foot in the Liberty movement, the other foot in the Bitcoin movement. And there's a lot of people in the Liberty movement that are very curious about Bitcoin, but have a lot of questions. And I've been kind of struggling with how do I, what's the best way to, to, to onboard people into Bitcoin? Um, and so I think American Hoddle is a great person to have to uh, kind of talk through this. But before we get into that, do you want to explain a little bit how you got into Bitcoin, what your kind of what your backstory is, how, how you how you're oh, the, totally. uh, extreme hodler as you are now? I, you know, I've, so I've, I've, I've been in the Liberty thing for a long time, too. I was very sympathetic to Ron Paul and the end the Fed campaign and all that. And that was probably my first foray into libertarianism as i think for a lot of people uh my age that was the first time we really thought deeply like oh wait you don't have, just have to settle for this uh bullshit two-party system basically like a turd sandwich and a douchebag like south park put it <laughs> you know and uh so that was my first foray and then you know went to college got filled with uh, liberal propaganda uh obviously and <laughs> then i was trying to buy drugs in college on the silk road and uh that was my first interaction with Bitcoin. I didn't end up going through with it because it's super duper illegal to send drugs to yourself to the mail. That's a federal crime. So I was a little skittish about that. 
Uh, didn't look at Bitcoin for a while. Came back in sort of late 2014, 2015 when I uh, won some money gambling. And I was like, you know what? I, I still feel like gambling. And at the time, Bitcoin felt like a crazy gamble. So I uh, went in at that time and then I started reading about it. And I was like, oh, shit, this changes everything. This is the thing I've been searching for. And so that's basically my journey in Bitcoin. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's funny. I kind of had a similar thing. I, I was interested in Bitcoin, then forgot about it, then actually bought some, then forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I, I'll, I'll say one thing. You said that, you know, you, you talk to the people that are in the libertarian camp and, you know, we everybody in Bitcoin is sympathetic to libertarian uh, ideals. And so it, it kind of does make me sad to see the libertarians miss out on what's going on here because Bitcoin is the most practical application of libertarian uh, ideology that I've ever seen. It really is one of the only practical applications, you know, trying to move to like a tiny boat in the middle of the sea and start your own nation is probably the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Like what, what, what do you think makes Bitcoin the, the tool that, that kind of can undo a lot of the stuff that the state does? Well, Bitcoin gives us, um, you know, asymmetric encryption. And what that means is basically you can secure your own wealth for yourself, by yourself, and no one can take your wealth from you. Bitcoin is censorship and seizure resistant, right? Now, if somebody has a gun to your face, obviously they can still probably get you to give up your Bitcoin. But if you're willing to take that Bitcoin to the grave, <laughs> Nobody can get it from you. So it's it's just the best way to store your wealth. And it's analogous to digital gold and all these sorts of things that we always talk about. And uh, yeah, it's the most practical application that I've seen. And it actually gives us a chance to fight back because I don't know, you know, if you're not paying attention to what's going on in the world of finance, we're hurtling down a cliff. Uh, <laughs> and the powers that be, they don't have a plan for what's going on. The plan seems to be just endlessly print money which is to inflate away your savings which is a tax that you know you were not represented for in congress that's the thing that we as americans you know had the fucking uh, revolutionary war over like no one's representing you when they tax you via inflation and they're taxing you via inflation all over the place now and their only plan is to continue doing it and so what we see is the people that are closer to those you know sources of power in government are the people that are benefiting from this stealth inflation stealth taxation so owning Bitcoin is your only ability to fight against what's happening to you. So why not uh, go back to a gold standard? Well, gold is mainly centralized by the world's governments, by sovereigns, right? So like, I think something like 80% of the world's gold is held by sovereigns. And you have, the other, you, know, you have the other problem of gold, which is you can't fucking send it to anybody, right? Like if I want to send you gold right now, I have to wire money through Fedwire uh, or the SWIFT network, or ACH, and then I have to give it to a gold courier in your city. They have to send the gold to you, and I have. There's a lot of steps where I have to trust that all of this happened, right? When when I have Bitcoin, I can just send it to you, Rollo, and I I only trust myself, and I don't even need to trust you because I can see in the meme pool that you uh, actually received the Bitcoin, right? So. If you call me up and you're like, "Hey, man, I didn't get it," I, I know that you're lying to me. <laughs> so I don't have to. I don't have to count on that many people. Whereas in gold, and here's another thing: you want to talk about gold not being able to be uh, censorship or Caesar resistant? Well, first of all, 
throughout history, we've seen gold centralized uh, to the world's governments. That just happens. In modern times, we have this little device called a metal detector. If you're trying to hide gold in your house, someone is going to come through and find it. If they want to make gold illegal, they can just do it with the stroke of a pen like they've done before, and they can come through your house and steal all your gold. It's totally legal for them to do that. They can't steal your Bitcoin. Yeah, I like to uh, kind of take a Lysander Spooner quote about the Constitution to turn it around on on people that say, oh, it's just go back to gold about the Constitution. And Lysander Spooner, I'm paraphrasing, he said, you know, either the Constitution was designed to get us where we are today or it was defenseless in preventing it. Either way, it's unfit to exist. I don't want to like, and I say this with the caveat of being like gold, the gold standard was like the most amazing thing that happened to the world when it happened. I, I'm not saying that gold was bad, but it just had issues. And, and to say that we want to just, oh, we should just go back to a gold standard. Well, why don't we have a gold standard today? Like, right. It's, well, it's, and I'm very, ship, I'm very sympathetic. Is- I'm super sympathetic to that argument, right? Because as a Bitcoiner, Bitcoin, Bitcoin basically subsumed and supplanted all of gold's properties that make gold the best money that humanity has ever seen. And Bitcoin took all of those, you know, whoever Satoshi Nakamoto was, he definitely was a gold bug at some point in his life because he carefully studied gold and what made it the world's hardest money, right? right. And he took all of those design parameters and put them into Bitcoin. And so I understand the argument, but I don't, where I, where I don't understand the argument is where you say we're going to go back to a gold standard. It doesn't seem likely in my opinion. What seems more likely is like, just full-on collapse, in which case, who gives a shit if you have gold? Get an AK-47 and as many rounds of ammo as you can. Whiskey, prescription pills, <laughs> you know, <laughs> canned food. That's you Just go full prepper, right? We're either going all the way back in time to the Stone Age or we're going forward to the future with Bitcoin. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. So, mention of Satoshi Nakamoto made my, uh, you know, my mind's always trying to go on tangents. Do you care who Satoshi Nakamoto is, or do you do, do you want to know who he is? No, I don't want to know. Okay, and I love. I, I'm, I'm I love the same that, way. Yeah, I love that we'll probably never know because <laughs> mon- money needs to have an immaculate conception, right? Like, we, we yeah, do, do you want to do you want to explain what the, the what that is? Well, so because nobody knew who Satoshi was, right, and nobody cared about Bitcoin in the early days. Um, so Bitcoin just existed in the wild on the internet and a very small group of libertarians and weirdos found it and started building around it. Right. And you can't do that nowadays because we, the way we see people launch coins, this is one of the main reasons Bitcoin can't be supplanted is because we know who's in charge of the coins that are being launched. We know who Vitalik Buterin is with Ethereum. We know who some of the suit, the VC backed coins, we know who they are. They give each other private deals. Uh, behind the scenes before they release it, right? Like back when Satoshi mined the first million coins and that's Satoshi's hoard. And back when he did, and that's what's called a pre-mine in the space. Back when he did that, it was not seen to be an immoral thing because Bitcoin had absolutely no value. He was the one person (laughs) who architected the system, right? And also, you know, Satoshi, it's been 11 years, right? Those coins are worth billions, and he hasn't spent a single Satoshi uh, out of that hoard, which shows you that one of two things. This person either has unnatural resolve, right, and wants to see this through, or he's dead. So either way, it's, it's amazing. Whoever Satoshi was, 
I wish I could buy him a steak and give him a blowjob because he was <laughs> one of the greatest people in the last 150 years, maybe last thousand years. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm with you with with all that. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> this run, did you see today that that Ripple's announcing or going to probably do an IPO? An, I, an IPO, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Oh, the exit a, scam is, is, you know, it's so obvious what they were doing. Right. Well, that's another thing for people who don't understand. Ripple is a corporation. They print XRP, their fake currency, and then they dump it on unsuspecting retail. People, The people that buy Ripple are landscapers, mechanics. Uh, they're the people that can least afford to get got, right? But this is like a modern day penny stock, and they're getting got because these guys are just printing it and then dumping it on them. Ripple's Ripple as a corporation, it's ridiculous for them to do an IPO because their main business is dumping Ripple on unsuspecting retail investors. It's crazy. It's It should be illegal if we had a functioning uh, securities enforcement division, but it seems like they're going to let it go through, which is crazy to me. It's wild, but hopefully that means that they're just kind of letting this stuff kind of go. So I will happily accept uh, Ripple kind of doing their thing if it means that they leave Bitcoin alone and, and let it blow up before they can really do anything. Because the longer they wait, I mean, each each day they wait makes it more difficult to to even have a chance of stopping, or any remote chance of stopping it. So, Yeah, I don't worry about Bitcoin being um, stopped. Yeah, right? I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. What I worry about is the Fed taking a large position in Bitcoin and getting their hand, you know, centralizing it and then being able to control it. Now, what we do have is the ability in Bitcoin to fork off the Fed, but this is super volatile and this untested, and we've never done stuff like this. So it creates this uh, wall of uncertainty going into the future. But in order for them to do that, they have to manipulate the price upwards. And so right now we're sitting at like, what, $8,600? They would have to manipulate the price into the hundreds of thousands for them to even have a chance to do something like that. So uh, part of me is like, well, let's see if they try. I mean, might get rich while they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where you can't, not that you, you don't want to worry about it, but they're going to do what they're going to do. And if if Bitcoin, it, it's got to be battle tested. And yeah, and that's ready, ready or not, we're, ready or not, here right. they come. <laughs> so We're going we're gonna to do what we're going to do also. Right. So, you know, we do have the ability to fork them off if they centralize uh, BTC, right? Like we have tools at our disposal. So it's not such an easy game. We're not like the gold bugs where they get their hands on all the gold and then they've won the game and then they just force you into their corrupt crony system. That's not what's going on here. Like we do have power. The people once again have power. And, you know, it's like it's like guerrilla warfare, <laughs> but it's financial guerrilla warfare. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty. Cr- I mean, the uh, having to fork off would be like absolute last last ditch. Thing, right. But it's it just shows that it's it's just it's a phoenix that can keep rising from the ashes. And now that the cat's out of the bag, <laughs> good luck killing that phoenix. What exactly? And you know, people use right because they think that you know the actual lines of code, the actual private keys, are Bitcoin, and kind of right. But also, Bitcoin is social consensus. So if somebody centralizes a shitload of Bitcoin and the people revolt against that and have basically a civil war, uh, which is the hard fork or whatever would happen, well, then Bitcoin now becomes the people's currency yet again. Maybe that currency that got uh, centralized 
still maintains value. But the people, once again, have the power back in their hands to actually fucking do something. Whereas I feel, I think we all feel right now utterly powerless. Uh, like, we don't feel like our government represents us. We don't feel like we have a say. We don't feel like, we feel like we have to just sit there and play the games that they've architected for us. There's no liberty anymore. You know, there's no pursuit of happiness. You just survive. That's why we see all these diseases of despair, right? Like, people are more addicted to pain pills than ever. They're killing themselves at a high clip. Everybody's sad. When you talk to normal people, and when and when I go into these cultural power centers, like uh, I was in San, I was just in San Francisco on a business trip a couple days before this, and I'm talking to these you know high level elite liberals who think that everything is fucking fantastic because for them they're living in a five million dollar home in the Bay Area. People wait on them hand and foot. They have everything they want, and they all just trade money and pieces of paper around, right? But you talk to regular people, they're fucking miserable. Go to like the heartland in America. And take a Uber and talk to your Uber driver. It's he's going to tell you a sad story every time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty crazy. And we look at how like fiat with the uh, which is your you see how people once you start looking at Bitcoin and, and seeing the history of money. We we're kind of talking about this before we started recording. But you look at all this and you and you see why we have society today when there's this the the overall structure that holds kind of society together, the money system that it's incentivizing people don't save don't think about tomorrow spend your money today because it's going to be worth less tomorrow than this today so why would you look ahead like that that kind of thinking just infects all of your uh everything around you so no wonder we have a lot of the uh like degeneracy that's around today oh, yeah. and and just like awfulness in society we look around and be like well, what in the world is going on today and it's like well people aren't thinking about the future i mean it, it's really right. bad it's it's really and has really horrible impacts on society in an even more profound manner the act of planning for the future is the act of society those two yeah. things are inex inextricably linked they are the same fucking thing Right. Without the ability to plan into the future, we would just be nomadic tribes, people killing each other and worshiping spirits. So, <laughs> yeah, a that's a really good that, point. Yeah. A society that degrades the individual's long term ability to plan for themselves and their family uh, is a debased society. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm a libertarian listening to this. And I'm thinking, uh, these guys are making a lot of good points. I need to get involved in Bitcoin. Where would you recommend I start? You know, I'm going to need a wallet. I'm going to need to buy some Bitcoin. I know there's a lot of know your customer type things. There's some tax rules I don't know about. What kind of advice would you give me? My, my advice is just to go literally anywhere and buy $100 worth of Bitcoin. There are all these apps. Uh, there are all sorts of exchanges online where you can buy Bitcoin. You still can't buy Bitcoin through your traditional brokers yet, but you will be able to soon. There's a, an investment vehicle on Wall Street called GBTC, but that is not real Bitcoin. That's an IOU for Bitcoin. But at the same time, when you leave your Bitcoin on a custodial exchange, you know, an app or an exchange or whatever, they're holding it for you. And really all you have to your only claim to it is an IOU. And the whole point of Bitcoin is to keep your money for yourself and secure your own money. But that comes a little later, right? Step one is just, you gotta get familiar with the buying process, learn how to buy Bitcoin. You know, just, just buy low, buy $100, $200, 
And then if you're the type of person that has a weekly job, you're getting more into Bitcoin. I would maybe set a recurring buy, maybe weekly, bi-weekly or monthly. Uh, and I'd start getting my Bitcoin exposure that way. If you start getting really hyped up about Bitcoin and you know, you've done a little reading, you're listening to podcasts, you're researching and you're like, holy shit, this is the real deal. I'm going to need to get some. Uh, you know, a significant amount for me and my family, which is, I think, what happens to all of us. That's what happened to me, too. I bought a little, then I started reading about it, and I was like, holy fuck, this is crazy. <laughs> and then that's when you buy, you know, a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks, a million dollars, whatever's right for your situation. Uh, and then after you have a significant portion of Bitcoin, you are going to want to secure it for yourself because that is the revolution that's happening here. The revolution is not just. You know, you watch the number go up, the Bitcoin price, and then you take more fiat money out. That is not what's happening here, right? And you can use it that way, but you're going to be sorry later on when you sold your Bitcoin too low. I mean, there were a lot of people that sold Bitcoin for $1,200 back in 2013, and that seemed like a crazy amount, right? And as we talked today, the price is 8000 something. So buy Bitcoin, plan to hold for five, 10 years. You're, that's the that's the process. Go custodial, leave it on the exchange for a while, get educated, then take it off the exchange and secure your own wealth for you and your family. Yeah, I think it's it's um, it's kind of counterintuitive, especially for someone like we're we're trying to give people you know the right ideas with with security. But I kind of do agree to if you're not comfortable or don't really know what you're doing leave it on exchange because i think the best way to learn about bitcoin is to have it and how yes, do you like exactly. incentivize like i i tell people that we've like 10 hours of bitcoin.com which i think is a great resource to go and learn and, and get like a a good understanding but you know the percentage of people that actually go and click through that versus my <laughs> senate you know I'm, I'm sure the click rates are like one percent um so i think that is oh, kind of yeah i think that is kind of good to just get it and then that's how you start getting interested you see the price start moving around and you go, oh wow this is pretty crazy yeah it's true with anything in life too man if you don't have skin in the game you're just not going to care about what's happening like it's like you're never going to care about other people's children as much as you care about your own children you know it just you got to get exposure you got to get in the water you got to dip a toe in and i think a hundred bucks is a very reasonable uh buy for anybody right yeah yeah. Well, it's, it's it's kind of funny. <laughs> a little story going back to uh, gold. Back uh, this was years ago, but I remember being on Reddit. It's not long after I started working, started getting a little bit of money. Not much. I was still focused on paying off, you know, student loan debts and stuff. But right, right. I I started learning about you know all the the libertarian stuff about money and the Fed and and gold and oh, I, I should be buying gold or silver or something. So I remember I went on Reddit and said, you know, uh, I want to I want to buy. I want to start getting into gold. Um, you know, what's the best way if you have like a hundred bucks to buy gold? And everyone just kind of like laughed at me. <laughs> and I remember I wasn't thrilled about being laughed at, but looking back, it's kind of like, yeah, well, <laughs> it makes sense to be yeah. kind of laughed at. But uh, well, you know, here's here's a big difference between the gold bugs and the bitcoiners, right? Um, if you're gonna buy Bitcoin, you really don't need all that much because yeah. if Bitcoin is successful in the way that we think it's going to be successful even just a, a small amount of Bitcoin, your thousand dollars, like, listen, I don't want to come out like I'm, I'm pitching you, right? Like I'm, I'm some sort of huckster, but if it does take over the global monetary base, which is obviously, 
there's a low percentage possibility that that's going to happen. If you look at everything, it seems kind of unlikely. Not to me. I'm crazy, and I'm fully in on this. But to the outside world, if you're just hearing about this for the first time, right, you think, ah, it's kind of low percentage. But if it does take over the global monetary base, your $1,000 could could be a million dollars. Like, crazy things can happen, you know? Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to do the math to see, like, what 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 it could get to. And don't worry, uh, the, the people, the listeners of this podcast uh, – are used to to me being extremely bullish on Bitcoin, so you're not gonna. <laughs> you you sound like wow this this guy's this guy's really reasonable about Bitcoin. <laughs> for a change. I'm trying. If this was a full on Bitcoin podcast, I'd be way less reasonable. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, guys, we all know this is gonna fucking dominate the universe, right? And everybody would be like, of course, of course, you know. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's let's let's kind of talk about that. I don't. I I hate to speak in in such. Uh, you know, concrete terms, yes, but like the almost course. the inevitability. I hate to say that, but like there, there does seem to be when when you look at the economics and the technology of it, it does feel like there's kind of an, an inevitability of Bitcoin kind of taking over. Oh, totally. And we can go down a rabbit hole that's you know <laughs> five, six, seven hours long talking <laughs> about just this one part of the conversation, right? But uh, I think I think the the thing you need to know is that. Bitcoin is sort of an infinite container for wealth. Uh, Bitcoin can like Bitcoin can store the world's fiat wealth, and at the same time, they keep printing more and more money, and that money needs a place to go, right? Like rich investors, you know, I, I don't know how much the audience knows about negative interest rates, but you know, basically, there are going to be these contracts. They already are prevalent in Europe. They're coming to America, where you're going to loan out money and get back less of a return. Does that make any sense to you when you hear that? No. The only reason this is happening is because the Fed and the powers that be are trying to roll back the clock on what they printed during the 08 financial, the, you know, the mortgage crisis. And it can't be rolled back. It's a fool's errand. I analogized it to, uh, you remember when they take out Cameron's car and Ferris Bueller's day off and they try and roll back (laughs) the the mileage. Yeah. That's what it's like. That's what they're doing with negative interest rates. Right. And so the rich are not going to accept this. The rich don't want to just sit there and get less of a return. They're going to start putting their money in offshore bank accounts, in Bitcoin, and in gold, right? And Bitcoin is the one of those three that has the highest uh, potential for yield. So there's going to be some fireworks coming soon, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> it's fun to think. I love thinking about it and talking about it. And, and you know, the what could be around the corner for us is just absolutely fabulous and it, and it has me so excited but to get back on the uh talking about getting people into bitcoin a little bit yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah. we had the recent uh another peter shift debacle where he confused his pin for his password or something and lost access to his bitcoin as much as we oh, kind of like want to dunk on him and and we know that he's been very against bitcoin and saying all kinds of ridiculous incorrect stuff about it but that is something something that could, could happen. So, especially with people in his generation, I know if, you know it would be difficult for my parents to try to figure out what's going on with Bitcoin. So, like, how do we? Do you yeah, have any thoughts on saying. on how to like deal with that kind of person? That because you, cause you well, don't want to get you don't want to onboard someone to Bitcoin that's gonna then when you when you have a strong feeling they're gonna lose their money. 
I do think um, for older family members, for instance, I secure their Bitcoin, mm-hmm. especially for non-technical older family members. I take that onus on myself. So I would I would recommend that if you're above, you know, let's say 45 and you're not uh, comfortable with technology, that you get a younger family member who's interested in this kind of stuff to help you out. Or you go to your local Bitcoin meetup and get somebody who's a little younger to help you out there. Because securing a digital private key um, is very complicated. It's not easy to do. And uh, there's a lot of steps that can go wrong. And it went wrong with Peter Schiff. And he lost all his money. Now, if you know anything about Bitcoin, you, you know what Schiff did is like the most rudimentary of mistakes. Uh, <laughs> he had every opportunity to prevent it. And he chose not to. Well, that's so, the thing, too. He, he had about right. 18 billion people like knocking over his DMs to be like, I'll help you do if you're getting Bitcoin, I will help you through this. So, you you know, you do it right. And he just didn't. <laughs> totally. And he deserves to lose every single Satoshi that he lost because he didn't take even a second uh, to look into what was best practice for securing his Bitcoin. He just kind of like winged it and assumed it was like a brokerage account. It's Mm -hmm. not a brokerage account, right? These are not IOUs. This is cash. This is digital cash that's in your computer. So you need to take extra steps to securing it the same way you would if you were walking down the street with $10,000 in unmarked bills, right? You would just if you lose it, you're fucked. And it's the same way with Bitcoin. Well, I, th- I think it's a great lesson because we're so used to just having money in a bank account that we that most people don't think twice about giving it to so- a complete stranger and just assuming they're going to take care of it. So right. with Bitcoin, where it's like you need to make sure that you secure it yourself or give it to someone that you actually trust. Can you imagine walking into your local bank and like going to a bank teller and say, like, here's my private keys? Make sure no, you take right? care well, of them. And, and look at the long arm of history. You know, our grandparents and our great grandparents would have thought it was straight up retarded that we walk into the bank and we just trust them to take care of our money. Mm-hmm. They would have thought that was the dumbest thing they'd ever heard of. They didn't grow up in a world with FDIC insurance, right? <laughs> like they grew up in a world where banks failed and you fucking lost your money. Like go back and watch like It's a Wonderful Life, right? Where there's a run on the bank in their small town. That was common during the depression that happened and people lost everything. So it's a very abnormal thing for you to go in and just trust them with your money. And your trust is misplaced because they're fucking you every which way they can. And you know that. If you search your feelings, you know that's true. Look at every piece of evidence that's stacked up against the bankers. They're shitty people and they're lying to you and they're stealing from you. Yeah, it's uh, Bitcoin brings us back to like a, a, the adversarial nature of money, which it, it, it is and we shouldn't cloud that or try to build systems that that disguise that the insurance just just creates a huge uh bad incentive structure for for banks to just like oh we can we can take your money and do whatever we want with it and don't have to deal with the consequences huh exactly what i'm gonna do and it's it's the golden rule it's he who has the gold makes the rules he who has the bitcoin once you take control of your monetary sovereignty you become the sovereign individual, right? You are out on your own on an island, okay, surrounded by enemies. But you have a fortress around you, and that fortress you, around you and your money. And that fortress is, you know, Bitcoin. It's the securitization that goes into protecting the Bitcoin network. It's the encryption used to protect your private keys. 
It's some of the complex things that we use, like multi-sig setups, to secure large amounts of Bitcoin. There are a lot of tools available to you if you're not a troglodyte, if you're not somebody like Peter Schiff who just wants to stick his head in the sand and pretend that life is not happening. Like if you got a cell phone for the first time in 2018, probably don't buy Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> like, that would be my advice to you. Yeah, hopefully, and and hopefully you have someone that's uh, that's trustworthy. That if you do want to get into Bitcoin, but you, like you were saying, you know, a younger family member, and if you don't, and you know, I don't want to. I don't know. Everyone has a different situation, but if you have no one in your life that you can trust, uh, it's probably not a great sign. Yeah, Bitcoin doesn't fix that. Uh, you might want to secure some, you know, relationships. It's also it might re- it might be reflective of you as a person mm-hmm. if you don't have anybody that trusts you or that you trust. Yeah. So we've been kind of talking about this without talking about it, but uh, like the extreme ownership that that Bitcoin brings. Um, I know you've talked about that before. Um, of course. What, 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 what does that mean? Well, you know, extreme ownership is a, is a term coined by uh, Jocko Willing, who's a former Navy SEAL. And what it really is saying is, you know, everything that happens around you in your life, you need to accept responsibility for, Right. And Jocko takes it to a place that's so extreme that he says, you know, guess what? Your parachute didn't open? Good. Brace for impact. Right? Which is like, that's, that's, that's such a level of extreme ownership. It's like, well, parachute didn't open. What's your next move? You could sit and cry about it midair. Or you could brace your body and try and accept this impact you're going to take. You know? Which is, uh, <laughs> just, he's, he's super hardcore. I love that guy. If you haven't listened to his podcast, you should definitely listen to his podcast. But um, it just basically is saying, you know, you can't control anything that is not your responsibility that you don't have responsibility for. Right. So you need to make everything that affects you, your responsibility, stop outsourcing it to other people, stop outsourcing trust to the bankers, right. Stop outsourcing trust to uh, a financial planner to handle your finances for you or an accountant to look after your finances for you. You need to know where your money is going and what's happening. And you need to take responsibility and ownership over everything uh, in your life, basically. Not just money, everything. Yeah, it's it. that sounds extreme with the parachute thing, but it does... I've tried to... with Without even that, that term, extreme ownership, I've tried to take that approach in my life a little bit more, especially with, with the industry I work in. You know, stuff goes wrong, and you can sit there and blame other people, but, like, what could have I have done to have... Uh, fix that even even there was something as stupid as uh in the lunchroom at my old job uh the outlets were were not working right and we had a couple microwaves in there like a toaster oven and, and refrigerators and so we would lose power a lot and had to trip the breakers so the electricians that worked at the company came in and and uh redid some of the electrical work in there and then after they were done uh we're sitting in the lunchroom one day and they walk in and they're like oh they plugged two microwaves into that car. They weren't supposed to do that. And I went to my one coworker and said, oh man, these idiots, they, what do they think? It's a lunchroom. They're not going to, uh, we're not going to plug microwaves into these things. And he goes, well, did you say anything to him? Did you tell him what you wanted to use it for? And and I just kind of <laughs> sat there like, no. And he's like, well, you know, whose fault's that? So we can, we, we look at, we, we, these things happen in our lives and we all think, oh, we just, it's worthy, unlucky ones. It's, but if, I mean, that's what a passive, pathetic way to live. 
Exactly. Right. Like I, you know, I, I live next to this like beautiful park and I take my dog out there and I take my daughter out there and we run through the grass and everything. And, uh, I pick up other people's dog shit all the time because guess what? If I don't pick it up, who's going to pick it up? Some lazy asshole left it. Doesn't take that much of my time. And I don't want to step in. It. I don't want my daughter to step in. It. I don't want my dog to roll around in it, bring it home. So I just pick it up simple. Yeah. And you know, those, li- those little actions, they compound and I see other things in my life that need fixing. I fix it. Right. I don't like sit around, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a good one, man. Just having a bad childhood. Right. Like a lot of people have that in their life. I have that in my life and I could sit around and be a victim about it for the rest of my days. Or I could go, you know what? Shit happened. How do I fix it? And then go forward. Right. How do I take ownership? Because you know what? It wasn't just all people doing things to me. I was not a victim. I was in that. I reacted poorly. I didn't have good control over my emotions when I was younger. And there was a lot of things that I could have done better, you know? So taking ownership to an extreme degree is going to be heavily beneficial for your life. And since I've started doing it, things are much better for me, uh, just across the board, really. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's very easy to sit here and talk about because I know I'm going to like 10 minutes after we're done this call, something stupid's going to happen. I'm going to blame, blame the universe and, and every, everyone <laughs> myself. So you need, to, you need to take those baby steps. Same. Well, me too. I'm so human that I, I, you know, I have to remind myself constantly. Right. And, uh, you know, you take ownership in some regards and sometimes you're going to want to shirk your responsibilities. That's just, that's what it is to be a human, but it's a goal to aspire to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's one of the, so this kind of reminds me of uh, another topic I wanted to talk about. Um, I don't know why it reminds me. You know why it reminds me? Because I'm staring at it, staring at my notes. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so do you know that chart that they, it's like what you know versus uh, what you think you know? So mm, like there's, yeah. there's the four yeah, yeah, quadrants yeah. of like, uh, you know that you know, you know that you don't know, you don't know that you know, and you don't know that you don't know. Yes. Um, So like three of those things, you know that you know, you know that you don't know, and you don't know that you know are kind of like safe zones in Bitcoin. Um, You're probably not going to make a stupid mistake there. How would you um, get the point across to people that... Even for people that you know are are at a much at an above average level with Bitcoin, that we're all a lot of us are in the don't know we don't know, and so for those oh. getting involved in Bitcoin in the beginning, like you really need to be cognizant of that. Yeah, it's also you know there's something uh, called the Dunning Kruger effect, which is yeah. when you're when, when you're not an expert, you kind of think you know a lot more than you know, right? You're like, I'm pretty damn good at this, whatever this thing is. And uh, we all do that because you kind of need a confidence boost to get through the new activity that you're pursuing. And then as you become an expert, you go, holy shit, I know basically nothing. Right. And so you'll underestimate what you actually know. And, you know, you got to I think it comes into play in in this regard. Like if you're dealing with very humble people who are talking to you about trade offs and, (laughs) you know, the different um, possibilities you're probably dealing with somebody who's very smart and has high expertise in Bitcoin, right? If you're dealing with somebody who thumps their chest is like, Oh man, 
I know that Ripple's going to five hundred dollars because <laughs> they they have bank relationships, right? That person's a fucking moron, and you should stay <laughs> you should stay <laughs> far clear of them and their advice. They're trying to lead you down a bad path. Uh, conversely, somebody who says that you know Bitcoin is just going to go to a million dollars, right, and that nothing bad could ever happen, uh, that's also not accurate uh there are a lot of things that could trip up bitcoin technically we're all really bullish on it meaning really optimistic right but it's it's not guaranteed and so while i may feel that it's inevitable i i wouldn't put every single dollar in my life on bitcoin and i wouldn't advise anybody else to uh either you know and as you, you got to know that as you go through the journey you're gonna think you know a lot you know then you're gonna sort of realize you don't know that much then you're going to think you really don't know anything. And at all those different points, you know, you need to counterbalance yourself. When you think you know a lot, be like, you know what? I really don't know shit. When you think you don't know shit, be like, you know what? I actually, I did learn a lot. I know a lot more than the average person, right? Just be balanced as you interact with this. Yeah, I like the point you brought up about humility with a lot of these guys because there's the tendency that, you know, the toxic Bitcoin maximalists and everything, and, ah, oh, they're so mean. And that. But... Man, whenever someone says, hey, I'm interested in Bitcoin and want to learn, like everyone just you, you just trips over the, each other trying to help them out. And I mentioned in the beginning of the episode that we have a BTC pay server uh, going for our website, Liberty Mugs. And I went, you know, I was I have the Raspberry Pi, and, you know, self-hosted and do all that stuff. And, you know, I'm adult when it comes to programming and, and getting into the technical side with uh, with computers and everything. So I ran into some issues. And you go in like the Telegram group or their other chat areas and man, it doesn't matter who it was. It was like Rockstar Developer and uh, Nicholas Dorier. Uh, Someone, me or anyone else had like the dumbest question in the world. They were answering it. They were, you know, being patient, uh, listening to what we had to say and taking it all like super seriously. And it, it was it was so awesome to see. I can't say enough about you know, oh, seeing how those guys dude, interact with everyone. For people who aren't in the know, uh, Nicholas Dorier and Rockstar Dev are top of the top. Like they are, these are very high level guys, very smart guys, very sophisticated guys, know a lot about Bitcoin. So the fact that guys like this volunteer to help you out, you know, it's very telling about the type of people that are involved in Bitcoin, right? And you will find that Bitcoiners want to help you out. Now, if you're abrasive and you come off like a dickhead, you're like, Bitcoin's going to fucking fail because uh, I read an article about it. And, yeah, listen, we're going to brush you off and we're going to make fun of you. That's what we do because you came in rude. You didn't come in correct. If you come in nice and you want to learn and you want to ask questions, literally everybody is going to want to help you out, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, just <laughs> a degree. come in with a small modicum of humility and uh, everybody will, will help you out. You, another thing I think you got to realize for since we're doing this sort of geared at non-Bitcoiners, Bitcoin is not a company. There is no legal team behind Bitcoin. There is no marketing team behind Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin is a open source community of individuals from all over the world, right? Individuals uh, who guard their time and who don't want to waste their time on bullshit, uh, right? And, you know, they're not going to go out there and bang the drum. Another thing that happens is fake Bitcoins emerge because, like, there can't be a fake Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola's legal team will sue them into oblivion, right? There, there are thousands of fake Bitcoins because Bitcoin has no legal team and it's open source software that anybody can take and do what they want with. So there are a lot of charlatans in the space 
who are trying to sell you their fake Bitcoin, basically fool's gold, uh, as the real Bitcoin. And literally all of them without fail are pyrite. So don't get taken in by any of those scams. Yeah, it, I think the libertarian community is especially susceptible because there's so many affinity scams come in. They just come in yeah. and talk the talk about, oh, we're here for competition and the Bitcoin maximalists, they're against competition because they only want one money, which is just, ugh, you know, economic absurdity to say. Uh, right. So it's it's really important. Um, it, the example I give is like, all right, it's great that libertarians are like doing stuff economically and everything. But uh, if you needed a plumber to fix your toilet and the plumber comes over and you say, all right, tell me about how, how good you are fixing toilets. And he says, you know what? I'm all about the free market. And if you don't like the job I do, I'm not going to I'm not going to force you to use me. And just like gives these libertarian platitudes. You're going to say, well, I don't really care about that. <laughs> I want to know if you can <laughs> yeah, fix, fix my, my toilet fucking or not. Toilet. I don't yeah. care if you believe in the free market and, uh, and and voluntary exchange and all this stuff. Can you fix my toilet well or not? And I'm going to hire, I'd rather hire the statist, the guy that, that's the Bernie bro that put it, as long as he's, you, you going to play your does, gong? Yeah, well, no, that's just for you, Slappy. Um, <laughs> I'd rather hire that guy to, to fix my toilet because I know what he's going to do. That's That's what I want. So even if there's people in the Bitcoin community that, that like a, a Bitcoin developer, because they come from all walks of life, there's a lot of them. Right. Not everyone's going to have the perfect uh, political view that you think they should. But they say like one thing that's out of line. It's oh, look, oh, this, look at these Bitcoiners <laughs> are status. It's like, well, what, what code is he writing? Does the code do anything <laughs> that's, that's outside of Bitcoin or, or affect Bitcoin in a negative way? No. Then who cares? Well, it's, it's funny too because I uh, I'm, I'm just realizing that I'm gonna get I'm gonna get blowback from the Bitcoiners on this on this podcast because they're gonna be like, dude, you went on there, you didn't even swear enough, uh, you weren't <laughs> toxic, you were so humble and nice trying to help people out, and because <laughs> I get you know, I have a reputation for going hard on Twitter, and I do love to go hard on Twitter, but it is also very important for me uh, to make sure that normal, hardworking people. Uh, get invested in this and that they're able to profit off of Bitcoin's rise, right? I, I feel a moral responsibility to that. Yeah, it is. Well, it's 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 a tough position to be in because, I, you know, you don't want to scare people away, but at the same time, you want to really make sure that you're, you're spreading the correct message. Um, and as far as oh, totally. going back a few yeah. minutes ago when you mentioned about the people that come and, and are abrasive and being jerks about it, I found... This is, I only did this once so far, but it worked perfectly because the guy stopped responding to me. He was being really annoying and saying stupid, you know, absurd things about Bitcoin. He clearly didn't understand it. And I was, I found myself like, I'm, I'm wasting time explaining this stuff to someone who doesn't care. So I finally, he asked like another really dumb question or made a really dumb point. And I said, hey, um, I'd be happy to carry on this conversation. But at this point, I'm done with giving away free information about Bitcoin. So we can go in the DMs and arrange how you're going to pay me to kind of tutor you on this. <laughs> <laughs> Just dead silence after that. So it, it, it worked out pretty well. It's 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 good. you know and a lot of people in Bitcoin are very um, disagreeable types. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they have they all have hearts of gold, but they're a little cantankerous for the most part. So yeah, and step lightly, right? Yeah, I, I know people don't like that, but it's with with how I think Bitcoin's very secure, but it's and it's not like teetering on the edge of security, but it's that way because of the way people are. You know, the white blood cell 
metaphor that's given mm. a lot of times that, that Bitcoin is is as secure as it is and 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 has the support that it is is because people don't uh, they take no prisoners. And we've seen there's some recently been some Bitcoin OGs that have said stuff that seem pretty contradictory. And you don't have the whole movement being like, well, well, I really like this guy, so I'm just gonna gonna go along with it. No, they get called no, out oh, by everyone. And I think that's that's really really important. We savage them. Yeah, there are no heroes in Bitcoin. Just there aren't. The minute you're out of consensus uh, with what's bubbling up in Bitcoin, you're ostracized. And as well, you should be because you've now become sort of an enemy of what's going on here. Right. Which is OK. And now all of this sounds very intense. Um, so like a circus. My, fire. My, right. My advice would be, you know, if you're new to it. Just sort of watch this, watch this stuff from afar. I was gonna say we're trying to get it. new people involved, and it's like you say the wrong thing, you're out. You I know. Bite your head off. <laughs> no, when I say that, I'm talking about these billionaires who've been in for a long time, who should fucking know better. That's who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you know you who's new to it and you're trying to get in. No, these are guys. The guys me and uh, Rollo are talking about are they should all know better than what than shilling. You know projects that might get people hurt which is what they've been doing recently now i'm going to throw another question at you for like newbies out there what do you think of running a full node do you think that's a worthwhile thing for someone to do to get involved so running a full node is um essential to bitcoin because basically what a, uh, and like full yeah, nodes what sounds, is a full node and how yeah, do you do it it's full node sounds really scary and like computer nerd shit and it is but um, the basic summary of what a full node is, is that a full node is an entire history of the Bitcoin blockchain that's hosted on your computer or on a, you know, the blockchain is getting large. So there are a lot of third party devices you can buy that are, you can buy full nodes from different uh, vendors who are selling them like Casa Hoddle uh, or Noddle. And um, they verify the Bitcoin blockchain for you. So basically, instead, you know, the whole thing here is about trust. So you're going to want to trust yourself only and your node and verify your incoming and outgoing Bitcoin transactions. That said, I do not think step one is setting up a full node. This is something that happens many steps later. You got to buy Bitcoin. You got to research Bitcoin. You got to buy a little more Bitcoin. You got to then secure your keys, uh, take your keys off the exchange, right? And maybe at that point you run a full node, but maybe it's something you do even later on in the process. It's not something that should be step one right up front. It's too complicated for the average person. And computer science guys go, it's not complicated. And it's like, yeah, of course it's not complicated for you, dipshit. It's complicated for people who are normal people who don't know what a fucking node is, who've never even heard that term before, right? So this is something that you need to do eventually, especially when you have a lot of money in Bitcoin. But it's not something you need to do for your hundred or thousand dollar investment. That's my pitch on full nodes. Yeah, it's kind of like if you know you want to be a, a real man, you don't necessarily, you know, have to buy the tractor right away. But it's something that at some point in your life you you really ought to have one. That was the tractor reference. I heard there was always a tractor reference. Yep, that's that's Slappy Jones's fault too. <laughs> yeah, I thought you know full node is just a very scary and confusing thing. All it means is you're running the Bitcoin blockchain for yourself. You don't trust anybody to run the blockchain for you and you verify your own transactions. That is it. Yeah, and it's and it's so people know it's it's pretty 
and again, I agree with you. It's not something that you necessarily wanted to, because it's just, it's just, it's information overload for people. But when you're ready to do it, it's, you go to, you know, like Bitcoin.org, you download the executable file, and then you open it and it starts syncing the blockchain automatically. There's other things you can get a little more detailed in doing it. And then like verifying the transactions, that just means that when you accept the transaction, it's checking it by itself. It's all automatic. Uh, it's it's very wonderful. Yeah, you don't have to sit there and check each transaction coming through to make sure it's legit. This is all happening. Exactly. And And for people who are not familiar with Bitcoin's history, in the early days, every Bitcoin client was a full node because there was only one Bitcoin wallet, right? But they were all hot wallets because they were all connected to the internet. And so it was not ideal for storing your private keys. So we've moved to these more elaborate cold storage systems, which just means that your keys are not online and not acceptable to hackers, right? And so full nodes sort of took a back seat, but they are still essential. And there's been a big push in the community to get more people running full nodes because that is how, like what we were talking about in the er, in the early part of the episode, which is if we're going to hard fork the U.S. government, uh, if we're going to do some things down the line, this is how you signal, uh, you know, which part of the fork you support uh, is with your economically validating node. Yeah, it's funny. It's too. a little. Int- that's a lot. I'm trying yeah. to keep it brief, but <laughs> it gets crazy. I know. That's all right. I've, I've, I we did an episode where I kind of monologued about how I thought that uh, we would we would go from Bitcoin to here to uh, to be in a, a you know global money <laughs> like going through you know crazy stuff. So people, our listeners are are not uh, not uh, not rookies to getting information overload like that. Um, but I I want to bring up a point. Like you said, there's a different. Uh, uh, attention given to like securing private keys. Now we're going to full nodes and, and about like the development in Bitcoin, because for, I think it's really unfair and really wrong headed that a lot of people think and act like, because Bitcoin's not doing these, like, you know, these other sexy things that these altcoins are doing with different functionalities, which are all junk. Uh, people say, it's all oh, bullshit. Yeah. yeah. People are like, oh, well, yeah. Bitcoin's not really developing anything, but like the stuff that's happened in the last year, with the development, like all the different things that's going on with Bitcoin, uh, the ease of, of using it, uh, even like the Lightning Network. Man, I remember uh, a year ago trying to mess around with the Lightning Network, and it was it was kind of tough for me to try to to actually get a, a node, a Lightning node, and, and connecting, and and you know there wasn't much out there for support. Now with uh, testing. Uh, the BTC pay server for Liberty Mugs. I wanted to make a couple lightning transactions with different wallets. Man, I just went, and some of them are, you know, a little bit on the custodial side. Others are, are you know, uh, non-custodial. But I have four different lightning wallets on my phone now and another one on, my, on one of my computers. And there's different, different levels of, of usage on it. But, man, some of them are, like, so easy and so seamless that you don't even yeah. have to think about what you're doing anymore. Oh, totally. It's it's and you know, Lightning is now the world's fastest global settlement network. Like you can settle instantly across planet. That's fucking crazy. I always think it's insane when people say Bitcoin is slow. Uh, you ever <laughs> sent a wire? Like send a mm-hmm. dude. I I sent a wire for a million dollars a little while back because I was buying a house, right? And uh, that's a flex. I just flexed on all of you right there. Okay, <laughs> deal with it. Deal a with little, it. A little bit more anyway. than the wire that I sent when I bought my house. 
So, so, but when I'm sending this wire, right, I just sent a million dollars off into fucking cyberspace. I have no idea if the person received it. I can't see what's happening while it's in the ether. And I'm, I just have to wait until the escrow office calls me and is like, oh yeah, we got your wire a few hours ago. It's like, bitch, this is a million dollars I just sent off. You could have called me right the minute you fucking got it. Are you, are you serious right now? That actually, <laughs> that actually happened to me when I bought my house. We we're sitting at the settlement table. The actual the, the the people that were selling the house left because we were waiting for the, the the wire to go through and eventually yeah. oh yeah it's been here for like three hours uh. yeah ex- exactly <laughs> it's like are you kidding me and it's <laughs> but when you send you know for people who have never sent a Bitcoin transaction it's a very different experience um, when you send a Bitcoin transaction like on chain on base chain Lightning is a chain up from it's a layer two solution to Bitcoin but when you send a base chain transaction on Bitcoin. Um, you know, you send it off to the address, you watch it get confirmed and added to the meme pool, or it's waiting in the meme pool, then it gets added to the blockchain. You, you watch it get confirmed in real time and you know that the recipient got it. And usually, you know, after about 10 minutes and the way it works is like, you know, one confirmation would be enough for me to sell you. Uh, a car. Two confirmations would be enough for me to sell you a house. Three confirmations would be enough for me to sell you like a mansion. <laughs> Four, I'll sell you a fucking skyscraper. Five, I'll sell you a fucking jumbo jet. Right? Like these are very those those are the levels of security. Once you see that many transactions or confirmations uh, on a Bitcoin transaction, it means it's pretty goddamn fucking secure, and there's no way it's going to be rewritten or overturned by a hash power. So. Hey. Do you know what another watch watching that play out versus a Fed wire? It's night and day. Yeah. Do you know what else makes a Bitcoin tra- an on chain trans- transaction a lot better and and less terrifying than a and a and a Fed wire? Fed wires don't have checksums in their addresses. <laughs> right. Exactly. Nor do <laughs> they like... have. Nor do they have uh, uh, QR codes and stuff. And when, dude, and when you send your wire, you're sending all this miscellaneous information too. Like, what's the bank? What's the branch number? What's the routing number? What's the ABA number? And you're like, really? <laughs> and like, if you don't spell fucking, you know, Charles Schwab or Fidelity correctly or something, mm-hmm. that could fuck up your wire. Like, there's a million opportunities to fuck up your wire. Uh, and you know, you can fuck up a Bitcoin transaction too. I'm not gonna, I'm right, not gonna right. say you can't. But yeah, be, yeah. Anyone listening, be very careful and double, triple check when you're sending the Bitcoin transaction, but. We're just trying to compare the, more, the yeah, UX. I'm, I'm much more com- comfortable with a Bitcoin transaction than I am with a wire. Like, by a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? If I had to send you, dude, if I had to send you a couple million dollars in Bitcoin right now, it would be nothing to me. Well, I would let's, be like, let's, well, I'd, let's I'd be test pissed. it then. I'll, I'll send you an address. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, See, it's for the a, listeners. It's for the listeners. another thing, though. I would obviously never send you a million dollars, right? But. Knowing that you're a Bitcoiner and I'm a Bitcoiner, I do have this like sort of implicit trust that I kind of trust you. Like I would almost send it. I would almost send it to you if it wasn't the dumbest thing I'd ever heard of doing. But uh, I was say, Rob might disappear. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't know what my exit scam price is. <laughs> but you know, this this is um this is something I wanted to get at, which is when you're interacting with other Bitcoiners. It can be, it's, it's the opposite experience of interacting with other libertarians. <laughs> like, when you're interacting with other libertarians, uh, for me, in my experience, I've found them all to be highly disagreeable pieces mm-hmm. of shit. No mm-hmm. offense 
to anybody. No, but, I mean uh, it, the joke. The joke among libertarians is right. The, the libertarian's biggest enemy is other libertarians. Other libertarians, I know. And like when you're dealing with Bitcoiners, it's so powerful that we all have this shared worldview, you know. And you can, you all are coalescing around the same shared recognition. It's not like me and you read the same books and then came to the same conclusion. You know, who knows how you come to these conclusions? They're just, they exist in reality. We all coalesce around them. And then we go to each other and we're like, holy shit, you saw it too? I saw it. I can't believe it, man. And you have like an instant best friend for life, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, I like it. It's pretty awesome. So, um, <laughs> Changing gears a little bit, um, do, you, do you want to talk? Because it's, I think it's, I share a lot of Bitcoin memes, and and people in my circles know, you know, Bitcoin fixes this. They associate that with me, and I'm beginning to think that a lot of a lot of people think that I'm like coming up with these Bitcoin memes, where it's just like, man, just just come over, come over to this side, and you'll see that I'm, you know, <laughs> there's way more going on with this, but. Um, you want to talk about like the Bitcoin uh, meme game and, and kind of why that's important? <laughs> well, the memes are our Bitcoin's marketing effort, right? Like we come up with different, sometimes genius, like stacking sats. Mm -hmm. uh, a, sat a Satoshi or a sat is the smallest unit of Bitcoin. And to stack them means to acquire more Bitcoin, which is a fucking fantastic meme. Or hodl, which just means buy and hold uh, until the inevitable... Bitcoinized future uh, occurs, right? Or Bitcoin fixes this, which means our society is super fucked up and Bitcoin is going to take us back to a society that makes fucking sense, basically, right? I have a dumbass meme that I created, which is called 6.15 Bitcoin for eternal riches and big titty bitches. Because, listen, here's the deal, boys. If this goes, okay, the ladies are going to like a man with 6.15 Bitcoin. I can tell you that unequivocally, okay? <laughs> it's science, like you're I mean. going to be you're going to be getting solicited. You know, this is like love potion number nine. OK, but it's love potion number six point one five. So <laughs> that's you know, we all make we all have our memes, uh, really. And you're not Bitcoin royalty until you've created a really stupid meme that everybody can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on mine. None, none of mine have really uh, hit that. uh Hit, hit, hit the real sweet spot with people, but uh, I'm this is what working. you do, bro. You just you take a couple shots, you smoke half a joint, you think of the dumbest shit that comes to your mind, you just tweet that shit out. Boom, instant yeah. meme success. Yeah, that's right. Go. I'll keep doing. It. I'll, I'll I'll drink. A, I'll I'll have a look, couple drinks tonight, a couple fingers of uh something, and uh, <laughs> see see what rolls off the fingertips. Yeah, I love I love the memes though. They're so fun, and it's so great how. So many people in Bitcoin can boil down these really complex ideas into like simple one or two word verbiages, mm -hmm. you know, like that's pretty crazy. I mean, well, to sim simplify buy and hold just into the word hodl, right? That's that's crazy. That's like Warren Buffett's entire career was built around buy and hold. And we simplified it further to just be hodl, just hodl. You don't even need buy and in there, you know? Yeah, it's uh, and then just like the uh, the the apps available on like your phone to, to like, you know, do stuff that was only, uh, uh, what's it, what's the Photoshop, like professional and you need like a four year degree to figure out how to like, oh, do yeah, this yeah. stuff. Now it's like, you can sit there and, and make the most, it's incredible. Like I was, the stuff I make, the memes I make on my phone, uh, that are just like the dumbest thing in the world, but 
would t- 10 years ago would take like you know forty thousand dollars to do <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> well, it's i love it i think it speaks to also the um you know just how high level everybody is who's coalescing around bitcoin i mean the average iq in bitcoin has to be 120 like it's Everybody I interact with is so fucking smart, you know, and in and such varied ways. And everybody has knowledge that I don't have, right? And the energy and the passion that's attached to all the memes, I think, uh, just shows that. You know, the memes are like the tip of the iceberg, right? Because they're just flying around all day long, and they're some of the funniest and best and most interesting things uh, I've seen on the internet, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wonderful experience for me uh with you know meeting different people and and new people and and learning from everyone and and bouncing ideas around Uh, it's uh it's really once i started to it's funny because through the the libertarian stuff not that i ever thought that i was oh i know there is to know but like you kind of get after a while it kind of loses its its luster like once you first learn about the non-aggression principle and and see like how voluntarism can be can be useful for society. Get really exciting when you tell everyone. But after a while, you're just kind of like, ah. Yeah. But then Bitcoin comes around, and you start learning about how money works and the economics of it, and like really deep into it. Oh, and dude, it and also like relights that fire like you you wouldn't believe. Li- and then every new thing that comes along, it, it just keeps reinvigorating it and stoking those flames. Libertarianism is fucking retarded. <laughs> like the idea that you're going to lobby the state to make the state smaller. Yeah. It's the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard in my fucking life. I know I'm being hyperbolic a lot on this podcast, but that idea is fucking stupid. Right. <laughs> so it's like, I don't understand why the libertarians can't get on board with Bitcoin because guess what? We're going at the seat of their power, which is their ability to print money. And we're, we're taking power from them every fucking day, minute by minute, block by block. Every dollar that goes into Bitcoin seeds power from them to us. And you don't want to be a part of that? You want to just sit around complaining? Fuck off. I have no time for that. Yeah. I will, uh, in the show notes page, I'll link to my, my recent article uh, appealing to, to libertarians to, uh, to jump on board with Bitcoin because why it, why it fixes this mess we have. Yeah, get off your lazy asses and actually fucking do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just buy it. Just hodl. <laughs> It's, not, it's I, not even that difficult. I don't, I don't like Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump either, okay? I don't like either one of those fuckers. But guess what? I'm not going to sit around and complain about them all time, all day long. I'm going to go out and make money for myself and my family. Like Sitting around complaining about politics is the sport of degenerate losers. Stop doing it. Well, the fun you know? thing, the, the great thing about it too is that uh, all news is good news for Bitcoin. So when you... When when they start doing crazy stupid things, you're like, oh well, this is this is why uh, this is why it helps Bitcoin. This is why Bitcoin's getting stronger as a result. So it it just it's a way to just turn every everything into good positive news for yourself. So it just puts you in a better mood. Totally right, and like <laughs> I think there's going to be a comeuppance for Peter Schiff at some point that he led all these libertarians astray. You know, like <laughs> eventually they're going to turn on him. And be like, come on, man, the best you, you, you already fucked us over on the best performing asset of the decade in the 2010s. And then if Bitcoin becomes the best performing asset of 2020, it's going to be like, what were you guys doing for the last 20 years? Right. So what do you think the chances are that uh, 
this recent Peter Schiff debacle with losing his Bitcoin is just one of the more elaborate and better executed boating accidents. Uh, highly unlikely. You yeah. know what I think it is? I, I, wish, it, is, I wish it were. It's, a, it's yet another lame-ass ploy by Peter Schiff to maintain relevancy because he's irrelevant. He's yeah. fully irrelevant, right? He's also a marketing dumbass. Uh, he wanted to open up a, a hedge fund that was, you know, sounded like it had global roots. What did he call it? Like it was called like Eurasia Pacific or uh, something. Oh, Euro Pacific <laughs> Capital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck off, dude. That's the dumbest fucking marketing I've ever heard in my entire life. He didn't have offices in Europe or Asia or anywhere. <laughs> like, he's just, and then you know, he tried to run for what was it, uh, Senate or something, and you know, he had a shitty marketing effort in that department, like. The guy is a shitty marketer. He's another. He's just another shit coiner. These no, guys are all he, like marketing, quote unquote, experts. But Schiff sucks balls. Anyway, sorry. Build his career on gold. He can't back down now. That's true. But you Bitcoin know? is Bitcoin is digital gold, man. Like uh, he could have. He missed that. Schiff's out for him. I mean, he, <laughs> who knows? But <laughs> well, I don't know. Really, I don't understand why people wouldn't be ex like someone guy like him, someone who's like actually intellectually honest, or you know. Uh, whatever whatever the thing is but why bitcoin wouldn't like excite the hell out of you like all right i thought gold was like the best thing in the world and and really what we need to do but there's something better than gold like that's what i tell people think, like oh what happens when something comes around yeah. and beats bitcoin good i hope something comes around that's better than bitcoin because we'll all go to that and it'll be harder for for governments to screw around with our Listen, money peter schiff is a lesson for all of us right like peter schiff knew about bitcoin when it was worth like $12, right? He could have made hundreds of millions of dollars off of this. And instead, he chose not to be open-minded, not to look into it, and he, forego he you know, forewent an investment in Bitcoin, and now he's salty about it, right? What we all need to do, and what Bitcoin requires of all of us, is you have to humble yourself before you ever even make your first buy, because all of us have felt the, the feeling of, oh, my God, we missed out on Bitcoin, right? When Bitcoin went to $1,200, I thought, oh, my God, I could have been rich. I missed out on this. When, you know, and then it fell to 200 and I thought, all right, now is my time to get in, you know? But I had to humble myself first because there were a lot of guys in who bought at a nickel and bought at 25 cents and bought at a dollar. And I have to think to myself, fuck, if I had just taken a little extra time, like 10 minutes of my day to research this, um, I'd be worth a hundred times what I am now, right? But it was my own ignorance that fucked me over on this. And so I need to maintain, I need, I needed to humble myself before I got in. Peter Schiff has yet to humble himself and he will, he will not be able to take advantage of Bitcoin's gains as it continues to dominate until he does so. And he probably never will. So good. Fuck him. <laughs> That's what I have to say about it, but let him be a cautionary tale to you. If you're a new investor, you know, you just because other people got rich doesn't mean you can't also get rich. There's there's room for everybody in here. Yeah, absolutely. As, as Matt O'Dell says, stay humble and stack sats. That's exactly. a great, that's, that's a, a great little sign off he has. I love it. I like I like that he says stay humble because yes. you had to you had to humble yourself to get in originally. Because if you weren't humble, you would have decided to start your own altcoin or try and sell shift gold. Right. That's what that's what the people who weren't humble did. The rest of us, 
you know, we coalesced around the shared recognition that is Bitcoin. We humbled ourselves and we said, you know what? I fucked up. I could have got in earlier. That's extreme ownership too, right? You're saying to yourself, it was my fault. The onus was on me. It wasn't on anybody else, right? Nobody else lost my password for me, like happened to Peter Schiff when he, when he lost his own password, clearly. You, you say, it was my fault. It was my mistake. And I'm going to correct that mistake right now. And I'm going to buy Bitcoin. There you go. Absolutely. I love it. So I, we warned you about this before the, uh, the episode started, but do you have a free market success story you'd like to tell? If not, I was, that's okay. <laughs> Don't give them an uh, out. Oh, okay. I, was telling, I was telling you that I had a guy show up to my, uh, my house and do pigeon spiking the other day. His name was the Pigeon Man. First of all, he, he cooed at me the minute he met me. He goes, hey, I'm the, I'm the Pigeon Man. Coo -coo, coo -coo, like that. Was it, I was was like, it Marty Bent? <laughs> <laughs> Marty's thing has shifted into more of like an owl octopus. I don't know what zone he's in right now, but um, <laughs> this guy goes, I'm the pigeon man. Cuckoo. I'm going to check out the shit. He's obviously like very high, very high. He reeks of marijuana. His eyes are bloodshot. I'm like, I like this guy. We could party immediately. He gets on my roof with no safety equipment, <laughs> high as balls. Uh, he gets down. He gives me a whole speech about the life of pigeons. And then he tried to bill me like uh, five grand for this. And uh, I called another guy who came out, super professional, clean cut. He put up the pigeon spiking, $1,600. So the, <laughs> the free market success story is both guy, both pigeon guys, right? Because the one pigeon guy got to work while he was high. He was living his best life. The other pigeon guy got the business because he showed up. He was clean cut and he provided a better service at a cheaper rate. So that's a free market success story on both fronts. Beautiful. I like that. I like that. <laughs> So, uh, do you, my, my free market success story is how my cat has to now be on crazy pills. Oh, cat, cat Xanax? Basically, yeah. He, he pulls his fur out. We thought it might have been an allergy mm. thing. So I was, I've, the last two or three weeks I've been injecting, uh, medicine into his face every night, which has been fantastic and that hasn't worked. So now it's, uh, now it's, uh, Clomicom or, or something he's got to take. So Clonopin? No. Clomid. Might be Clomid. I forget what. Something has. I'm just, guess, I'm just guessing drugs. I, I think it's Clomicom. But now it's tab tablets. That oh, I hope yeah. I can smash into like treats form. Otherwise, what I thought was going to be uh, rough with uh, a, holding him down. Uh, forcing his mouth open and shoving a syringe in his mouth. Now we'll have to be putting my fingers in a cat's mouth to put a uh, a, a tablet in there. So I guarantee Dude, that'll so be easier than getting my kids their medicine. <laughs> well, yeah. well, you know what, Slappy, you can come over and and give my cat the medicine so you you can figure it out. But, we'll switch uh, places. Uh, well, listen, bro, I'm I'm sorry you had to put your cat on Comic Con. That sounds terrible. <laughs> well, if it if it makes it so I don't have to vacuum every day because he's I don't find a new cat this is actually funny because i was telling my wife i was like why don't the people that put their dog on doggy xanax just take their fucking dog for a walk but it's like <laughs> what do you do with a cat you know like cats don't walk uh yeah yeah it's <laughs> he's he just sits there and i look at him and he's just ripping his fur out and he's otherwise the nicest friendliest most social cat in the world but we'll see we'll see if he uh the crazy pills help i just i just think it's hilarious that I get to say I'm putting my cat on crazy pills. Dude. Uh, <laughs> veterinary, veterinary medicine in general is a free market scam uh, or a free market <laughs> success story for all the veterinarians if you yeah. want to look at it that way. 
Yeah, well, I the, vet, my wife, the vet has like, made a bunch of money off me. Dog. I was like, this dog is great. If this dog needs a twelve hundred dollars surgery, like this dog is going to walk with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not, yeah. Exactly. I've had those thoughts. I don't know where that that price is. Uh, he's already, you know, starting to. The problem is when it's like the slow bleed. Like mm-hmm. after a while, I'm like, man, I'm like two, and he hasn't cost me this much. I'm like two grand in, but if I, if it was two grand all at once, it would have been up. Uh, mm. <laughs> but really, yeah, yeah, we. At the end of the day, our animals. Uh, I don't want to say that. Well, they. If if you really want to get dark, you know your pet at the end of the day could just be an emergency food supply. Yeah. Hey. Hopefully it doesn't get that way. But yeah, I love my dog. But if I got another dog, I would forget about my dog in like I don't know three days or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, where where can people find you? Uh, Just find me on Twitter. And there you go. That's it. Okay. At American (laughs) Hoddle. We'll have that in the show notes page. Any anything you want to shill? Any projects? Any shit coins you have? Nope. Just like, just like most people in Bitcoin, I have nothing to sell you. I ha- the only reason I'm even doing this podcast and giving up an hour of my time uh, is because I want to actually reach some people and help some people, right? So hopefully somebody heard the message, they buy Bitcoin, and it goes really well for themselves and their family. And they think back on this podcast, and they're like, oh, yeah, that was like the moment I got in. That was cool. Yeah. That's, that's why we do it. Well, yeah, we will. We really appreciate your time. Show notes page will be mcflugel.com slash 181. Give American Hoddle a follow. You will not regret it. And I'm sure that follow will open up the door to a lot more great Bitcoin follow follows for you. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, once again, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. This was an absolute blast. Gentlemen, my pleasure. All right. Peace. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>